so we only had 11 more days to enjoy it. Um, but it's in great condition right now. It's an IPA. So it's one of those IPAs that, you know, you don't want to age. They stress the fact that you should just drink it by this date. And uh, we've had a few other ones before, and I don't know, I'm just a big fan. And they really only sell it in Bombers, so we only get it on certain occasions, I suppose. But uh, I'm happy that we have one tonight. What are you drinking, buddy? Uh, well, right, I, start, I started, <laughs> off, started off here with the PBR, the Old Faithful, right? And got a couple interesting ones over there. There's a Ballast Point. Which is that is gluten-free? Dorado Double IPA. A uh, PBR? Yeah. It's a gluten-free, organic, uh, Miller Lite Some substitute. Some heady stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great beer. And uh, for all you guys that are joining us now or have listened to the podcast, you know that we always drink a whole bunch of really interesting craft beers on the show. But I also... I like to kick back a you know a PBR too. Sure. So um, we like to start off every show with what's going on in the NFL, and right now there is something going on in the NFL. So uh, according to TMZ, and it's being reported in a bunch of other places now, uh, Fred Jackson wrecked his black Corvette while drag racing with Marshawn Lynch after practice today. Uh, so it sounds like both players are fine and uninjured, um, but that's definitely uh, an interesting little bit of drama that'll come up and uh isn't it nice dave that we get all these uh little bits of drama to uh, fill in the days between sunday and sunday of course <laughs> I'm, I'm totally cool with that it's good times and, and actually last month i think was the uh only month for um with with no arrests and what's funny is there there was one arrest like on the 30th but it was for unpaid parking tickets, and he paid his tickets and went on his way. So what you're saying is no, no, like really notable arrests. That nobody, are... yeah, nobody got caught beating their girlfriend. Everyone, uh, you know, smoked weed at home where you know nobody was going to get them in trouble. So what you're saying is they're they're getting better at hiding the things that they're doing. I would say that everyone is becoming <laughs> more responsible. Yeah, well, maybe you know a lot of people make fun uh, and make light of the NFL and the players' actions. Although it's been pointed out to us numerous times that the NFL as a whole uh, generally behaves better than the public. Right, right. If you do look at it as a whole, like a lot of things that they compare to, they're the same as the public or even you know better than the general population. Right. Well, uh, I think uh, maybe we do a drinking game today. I'm not sure. If, if we're going to do one, I would suggest that anytime we talk about Peyton Manning, we take a drink uh, as to... Do we have to know, groan first? Ugh. Kind of like a cheers to, to uh, Peyton Manning's career as a whole uh, and to his decline this year into not ever playing football again. <laughs> I suppose that is uh, just mean enough that I'll join in. Because, I, I mean, I honestly don't think that, uh, that Peyton's going to be able to handle it. Usually... He performs well at the beginning of the year, and then when it gets colder uh, and him not feeling his fingers becomes even more of a problem, Yeah, uh, he performs pretty poorly. Well, now he's started off performing poorly. What I don't understand is how that team could possibly be uh, 6-0. and uh, Well, it's the defense, my friend. It's the defense in a couple, and I mean only a couple, of fortuitous plays by Peyton Manning. You know, the Emmanuel Sanders 75-yard touchdown last week. Uh, week two, when he was finally able to put together three touchdowns. Uh, those are really the only games that the offense has helped win uh, for the Broncos. The rest has been a, just an amazing defense. Like, they went to the Super Bowl, and they were the best offense that anyone had ever seen, and they put up eight points because the team they played had one of the best defenses anybody had ever seen. So the Broncos said, we need to do that because this is a copycat league. Broncos now have one of the best 
defenses. I just hope, for their sake, that Peyton Manning can sort of um, keep it together long enough for that for it to be worth it. Yeah, like their defense literally right now is the equivalent of having like a top five wide receiver on your team. Right, it's like having DeAndre Hopkins and Ryan Mallett throwing in the ball. That's pretty awesome. So I, I do have Denver in a league, and I must say, like being that they are on bye this week, um, I'm actually going to hold on to them. Now it's a it's a league where we play two defenses, which is a little crazy. But even if if they weren't, this is a situation where your defense is scoring more points than most of the players on your team. So in that case. Uh, I'm going to keep them. I think everyone should keep them. I, I would normally not prescribe that kind of advice to someone. You know what? Every once in a while, there is a defense. I'd say every year there's one, maybe two defenses that are worth keeping through the bye week. Um, I, I totally can support uh, holding on to the Denver defense. I, I don't see them slowing down. You know, they lost to Marcus Ware last week. For the week, they lost them the previous week, and they still played very well. Mm-hmm. So you know, good for them. So what's on your mind? What what uh, before we get into everything? Uh, for example, this whole FanDuel and DraftKings thing. Uh, you play uh, daily fantasy sports a little um, this year, right? I do, I do. Um, the uh, the last thing I had seen maybe Friday or so was that Illinois uh, was looking for a, a more definite ruling into whether or not it's going to be legal in the state of Illinois. And, of course, that affects us. And I've heard that, uh, you know, through anecdotes in Reddit forums and stuff, their threads, stuff like that, that if you reside in a state where it is illegal, um, you know, if you have an IP address originating from that state, they just won't let you uh, make lineup changes, do anything with your account. So, I mean, it's not like I stand to lose out on a lot of money or anything. And I've enjoyed playing uh, FanDuel. I like... Being able to pick a new team every week, um, I think I appreciate it for different reasons. I know that like when I was at, at the St. Louis game earlier this year, um, I was trying to talk about fantasy football with people, and every single person I came across, the only thing they played was DraftKings, and and the the only experience they had had was on uh, weekly fantasy stuff. So I still prefer the whole season long thing, playing against a few of your buddies. And it's a lot less intense, and that that sort of fantasy game is legal, by the way. Well, maybe it's a lot less intense. Like like season long fantasy can can be something that's sort of like a spear in your side because you can't. And this is always in those commercials, right? Like the FanDuel commercials. You can't just wipe away the slate. Like if you made bad decisions, they're bad decisions for a long time. Right. So all the decisions you make have more weight to them. I, I just like you know playing a longer term game like hey that. listen i'm not discounting regular fantasy football you know. i would never i'm in i'm in nine leagues over here and i might play more next year like that's not the problem i just i, I do kind of like the uh, more flippant nature of it and the fact that you really have to bet on some guys that you would not normally bet on in order to win money because you have to take those guys that not a lot of people own or else you're not going to have a chance of breaking out of the pack mhm so you know i hope that uh, we are allowed to continue playing daily fantasy here in Illinois. However, I wouldn't be surprised if they outlaw it because it, it is a lot more just like straight-up gambling rather than uh, a fantasy football thing over the course of a whole season with a few of your buddies. You know, you, you, you're never going to go broke by playing office pools. But I, you could, pre, you know, conceivably go broke playing, you know, too much daily fantasy because so they have some contests you can enter you know it's five grand to enter it 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's some regular fantasy football leagues as well that cost that much. There's there's some $250,000 fantasy football leagues you can enter for a whole season, things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think the more money you put on it, the more obvious it is that it's actual gambling and not skill-based. But uh, we can have a whole it's show not, about that. I mean, it's not necessarily the amount of money that you can put on something. I think it's the frequency that you can bet on something. You can only bet on a season-long fantasy game once a year. Now you can enter a whole bunch of them at the beginning of the year, but that's that's not like ever their, their argument about like and and, and that's not yeah it's, that's already been between, declared that it's legal right. Um, but what I, I guess my point is that with the daily fantasy stuff, it does seem like because you can play it every single week, like you have the opportunity to abuse it more, and it's more like you know I always when I try to com- explain it to people who don't know fantasy football, uh, I tell them that playing season long is like playing poker, and playing FanDuel is like playing slots. In that you're just pulling a lever and it's much more random, whereas it takes skill and long-term planning and strategy. Well, like I said, we, we, we could do a whole show about long. it, but it's kind of silly, isn't it, to just say it's like playing slots because slots is completely random. You're selecting these people, uh, and you know, for example, last week I did pretty well. Well, I picked people that I thought would do well based on my knowledge of the sport right. and my knowledge of the fantasy players. If you're playing slots and flipping a lever, that you don't have any knowledge of of like. Which one of those guys are better or will come up or, you know, none, none of well, that is true. Well, well, slots is something that every time you pull the lever, it, you have the exact same chance at winning. And, and everything's the same every time. But that's gambling. Right. When I, and, and poker is gambling, too. But except in poker, you're playing against other people. Right. So those people get to learn your tendencies and they get to understand how good you may or may not be. But And that's what happens in a season-long fantasy league. Right, but but it's silly to say that it's not at all skill based, right? Because look, I use this uh, this comparison to people who don't understand fantasy football. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, it, it, actually, obviously, it doesn't stand up to a fantasy expert. There actually is a a fantasy football like uh, spin the dice game. It's called fantasy spin or something like that. Where didn't you act- we do that one year? Yeah, you actually do spin the the lever, and then you, you get, get like one player. You get random players. Yeah, and then those players, however they do, you get entered into something. Now that that's obviously it's all just random. But yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. It's really interesting. I know a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people play uh, things like FanDuel and other daily fantasy. In fact, CBS and Yahoo, they've also signed up on the bandwagon, right? And yeah, Yahoo ha- puts an ad out every time I log in, and it's really annoying. And the, the app and, they would stop. and on the website, you can easily just click on the button to go to DFS, deposit money, and play. So it seems like everyone wants to get in on this big market. Um, and just like you were saying, when that tends to happen, you know, uh, it gets a lot of attention. And I really, I squarely, I blame it on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel spending like a billion dollars on advertising. I don't think if they didn't, if they didn't do that, I don't think everyone would. Uh, I mean, obviously they wouldn't have as many people playing yeah, if yeah. they didn't do that. Um, but they also wouldn't be going to court. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I think what needs to happen is that it, it should be regulated in some way so that. Uh, things like insider trading can be controlled. Things like how much the house is taking can be reported to the average user. Stuff like that that you would, I think, normally get in a in a gambling house. Yeah. So, um, what what would be great is that, like in the UK, sports betting is legal and a regulated industry. So, yeah, you may see it in other areas, but here in Illinois, we have slot machines everywhere now. They're, they're in gas stations in all the rural areas. They're in bars everywhere 
uh, around here, all kinds of places have been popping up in strip malls where you just go in and play slots and like get a free bag of pretzels. Sure. So I don't know. Well, uh, well, we'll talk about it again, and right. maybe we could have even a show about it, depending on how intense it gets. If at one point it's like you know legal in half the states and illegal in the other half, that's going to be something really interesting. Yes, that would be. I would imagine that once it's made, if it's made illegal in uh, enough big states, like if California cuts it out and New York cuts it out, then they're not going to do it very much. Yeah, I mean the fact that the, the taxes still go to the government that that is. Uh, uh, definitely something that they're going to consider. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that if you want a bunch of money here, you would have to report it as gambling winnings. I well, they wins. would probably report it on your behalf, so the IRS well, would yes, know about it. Yes, you would. You yeah. get sent if you win more than like five hundred dollars, just like at a horse track or anywhere else. You get sent like tax forms and things you have to fill out. So, I mean, it, it's the same thing, really. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on with our discussion and talk about uh, stuff. Around the NFL in week seven. Seven? <laughs> well, well, we'll touch on week six first. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> what? What? That's a good tune, man. Oh. Do you care to start us off here? Uh, yeah, I recently started listening to more David Bowie, and I'm very happy about that. I like the Bowie. So, uh, we have some injuries to talk about. Um, Tyrod Taylor did end up missing week six. It was thought throughout the week that he would end up missing, but uh, sure enough, EJ Manuel started the game. They play in London next week, right? Yep. So, you know, if you want to start him, mean, he's been amazing when he started. Tons of points every time. I think more than 20 points a game. Uh, he's probably averaging close to 25 points a game. You know, Tyrod Taylor uh, without Sammy Watkins and Percy Harvin, who knows how good he can actually be. But he did most of his damage without Sammy Watkins, and now he's going to have LaShawn McCoy back. Uh, if he plays, would you start him? Well, like you said, I, I don't think they have any receivers. They really just have... Uh... Charles Clay there, and that's about it. Percy Clay will have a lot of catches. Percy Harvin uh, has a hip injury they say might be out for a significant amount of time. And I think they're really referring to more than two weeks. So Sammy Watkins, who who played pretty well coming back and then injured his ankle, um, if it is just a mild ankle sprain, you could see him play. As long as Sammy Watkins plays, uh, then Tyrod Taylor is a great play. But keep in mind that with an MCL sprain and having actually missed a game, that means there's real damage, right? And mm-hmm. the MCL sprain is going to prevent him from doing a lot of the movement that he was real good at. Sure. Uh, what helped his fantasy floor uh, was that he would pick up a bunch of rushing yards. Every Run game. in for a touchdown, etc. So without that kind of, uh, of flexibility and without one of the receivers that was definitely good for at least of a portion of the year in Percy Harvin, um, it's going to be hard for him to keep up those numbers. So, I don't know. I would say no, especially not in an early game in London. If Tyrod Taylor's back, I would give him another week to try to get you know some other people around him again. Sure. I think that there's a few other options. I doubt that you would be relying solely on Tyrod Taylor, uh, unless you had uh, you know Andy Dalton on bye this week. Well, heck, Aaron I mean, Rodgers. You could have traded away one of your other players, considering Taylor was like a top three quarterback. Sure, sure. But then you would have figured something out last week already. Well, it's all a gamble, right? Right. So, you know, uh, un- unless 
You really need him as a bye week replacement, and, and things look good for him. He needs to practice most of the week. The news should be positive. If the news is negative, but he starts at the last minute, I hate starting those guys. I would avoid that if you can. Well, this is a grade one injury, I believe, which means that he's uh, generally predicted to be back. So, so yeah, that's good news for owners, of course. That's, um, oh, okay, it was Mariota that had uh, grade two. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, what's wrong? Uh, nothing. Just a computer being annoying. <laughs> Uh, Emmanuel Sanders on Denver. Uh, so we talked earlier in the year, right, about Sanders' uh, role. Even he himself said would diminish a little bit in the new Broncos offense. And that looked like that might be the case, right? But for whatever reason, Peyton Manning, and I got a drink for that. Ooh, oh, very Manning. nice. Mm. Salute to Peyton's career. To the crybaby. <laughs> Uh, of course, now that we're saying that about him, he'll probably come out of this slump and start throwing like four touchdowns a game. That said, uh, Sanders, his role has really picked up, right? He's been performing at a high level. He's the fifth most targeted wide receiver in football, 65 targets in 2015. Just guys like DeAndre Hopkins on top of him. Uh, but he sprained his AC joint last week, and that's something like a separated shoulder kind of injury that could linger for a little while. Uh, they do have a bye this week. Uh, I just wanted to mention it so that people knew uh, and wouldn't freak out if he wasn't <laughs> if he wasn't going to play in Week Eight because it is an injury that has lingered, especially for receivers who you know need their arms and hands and things. Uh, can, the, all of them really can tend to linger a little bit. All of them need all the parts. So it is uh, you know maybe a guy that you could try to slip under the radar to do a trade or someone you at least want to think about backing up if you're weak at the position beneath him in depth. Uh, Marcus Mariota, like you said, he has a grade 2 MCL injury. That is one that could have him sidelined for up to three to four weeks. So I don't think he's going to start this week. That means Zach Mettenberger does. And I actually don't mind Zach Mettenberger. He played pretty well. The only reason why he wasn't the starter there is because Tennessee got a chance at uh, you know this number one guy. Right. right. So the fact that Menberger's out there doesn't really diminish any of the talent of the other people on the team. So I wouldn't hurt Kendall Wright or Delaney Walker's uh, odds. In fact, they might even go up a little bit since he's been playing with them for a lot longer than uh, Marcus has. So I, I wouldn't see that as a problem at all, uh, except for people that own Mariota and we're planning on starting him <laughs> in the next week or two. So uh, kind of like Sanders, you know, you got to take him off the, the uh, lineup this week. In my opinion, regardless of whether or not he plays. But it's really unlikely that he does. Um, having him go maybe two weeks uh, to try to get healthy is something that Tennessee might do. Because Tennessee's not really in any danger, right, of uh, you know being a 10-6 and 6 team or anything like that. No, they're not in any danger of that. So, <laughs> so likely, you know, they'll, they'll go ahead and give him all the rest he needs. Because he's one of their most important players. All right. And Jeremy Macklin, uh, Kansas City wide receiver who started off the year really slow, but started getting tons and tons of yards, a um, couple touchdowns, or was it just the one touchdown? Uh, just the one. I mean, it's not like – I don't think Kansas City is in any danger of getting lots of wide receiver touchdowns. No, neither team is in any danger of being very good, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but what's a little upsetting about, about him is that he got a really nasty concussion – course he's going to go through the protocol now i think macklin could probably get out of it by this week but i would not be surprised if he sits because uh it didn't look like it was a light injury one and two uh there's really no reason for kansas city to rush him back um they lost jamal charles 
They don't really have very many weapons now, and they're probably not going to you know storm into the playoffs. Right. That's just not happening right now. So he could come back. I'm just saying, you know, again, watch. Uh, what's important is that you look at these injuries early so that while you're doing waiver picks tonight or, you know, picking up people off the free agent wire later, if someone like Macklin or Sanders is maybe going to be gone from your team for a week, you can pick someone up to play in his stead. Pretty light injury week, I would say. Yeah, and I didn't go over some of the guys that are coming back. Uh, so, you know, no big deal for That's those never guys. certain until the end of the week anyways. Like, TJ Yeldon, he'll be back. Probably. I hope so. <laughs> I, I like how you're very political about this. You're like, I don't want to say that. Well, you never know. Some guys, they're back, they're back, they're back, and then on Sunday before the game, they're not back. So top performers for week six. Well, we all enjoyed, I think, watching the games this week. And uh, Jason, if you're if you're able and ready, uh, tell us about some of the quarterbacks uh, that performed really well this week. Well, a couple of guys performed very well against NFC North teams. So Matthew Stafford had 405 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, uh, one pick, 37 rushing yards, scored 33 fantasy points. Huge game for him. Uh, finally, his first good game of the season, really. I mean, he, he had been stinking it up. We talked about him last week a little bit, and we did say that Stafford was ready, you know, for a little bit of a comeback. Now, here's the thing. Matt Stafford is uh, a guy that I think you should sit this week, though, because he just played the Bears defense, who have given up uh, the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Sure. They uh, Matt Stafford now has to play the Vikings, who have given up the 28th most. So, total opposite end of the scale. Uh, I think that the Lions kind of return to their bumbling ways this week. <laughs> it, it does look like they're getting a little more together, but like you said, they played against the Bears, so a lot of teams playing against the Bears look like they have it more together. They get healthy, if you will. And you have a team like Kansas City that, that we thought was good, then they came against the Bears, and then everything went downhill for them. <laughs> right, right. Shit got fucked. Yeah. Uh, so Phillip Rivers had 503 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Amazing, because uh, he had over 60 pass attempts. Scored 28 fantasy points. Phillip Rivers is a, a stud again this year. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the most uh, underrated fantasy quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like him and Tony Romo and Eli Manning. Yeah, I mean, four games this year, he's been above 23 points. In a standard scoring league, that's huge. You remember, like, a couple years ago, we had Phillip Rivers as... Uh, a guy who could win the Super Bowl and is a top three quarterback, uh, and and you know just never has the right team around him. Right, and there's always issues, but down the stretch in certain periods and for certain years, he's been one of the absolute best. So uh, last week in in Green Bay, he looked great. I do think that some of those passing attempts came because they they were down all game. They weren't down by a lot, but they were down, and they lost Melvin Gordon. So the run game was almost non-existent. Uh, they're not going to run the ball very much with Brandon Oliver and Danny Woodhead against a good defense like Green Bay has. So well, Woodhead gets some touches, but you're right. He's not a big guy. He gets <laughs> catches. You know, that's where a lot of his cu- touches come. And he may get, you know, I, I doubt he's going to get more than 10 carries in, in any game. 
it, well, if Melvin Gordon is going to be out, if they decide not to trust him, it yeah. has to be Woodhead and Oliver. Sure, I would expect them to to bring up a third guy too, just to keep him in there. When they sign Pierre Thomas or something, so they have three receiving backs on their team. Yeah, yeah. So Andrew Luck, uh, I think he played on Thursday night, right? Oh no, he played on Sunday night. It was Sunday. everyone got to watch him. Uh, that was his first game back after missing two games with a shoulder injury. He had 312 passing yards, three touchdowns. 35 rushing yards as well. Uh, all these guys have that in common that they throw tack on some rushing yards to help them help their cause. So 27 fantasy points for Andrew Luck. Uh, well done, young man. He uh, looks like he's probably the Andrew Luck that everyone expected when they drafted him. I think that you're pretty safe slotting him in. You know the most Colts. Of the year. He had this injury, right? This lingering shoulder thing. And then after that, like the Colts' offensive line just looked like shit for a couple times, a couple games. Yeah. And they moved things around, and they're still not great. But the thing is, they moved things around. And Matt Hasselbeck almost won games for them. Yeah, they're or, showing and did. They're showing improvement. He has good wide receivers. Uh, they signed Ahmad Bradshaw as a backup, uh, and they've got Bradshaw and Gore. They have a really good team. They they are guys. They're a team that we thought you know could win the Super Bowl this year, and they didn't look like it. But now they're starting to look better. But like everybody else, the Patriots look, made them look like idiots. Right. It, actually, they the Patriots didn't have to do that. The Colts were able to do that all by themselves. Uh-huh. Do you have a particular play that you was one of your I favorites? think everyone understands what play I'm talking about. The fourth down play when the ball was never supposed to be snapped. Was WTF play? Oh man, it that's was... going to go down as one of the dumbest plays ever run in sports. On on Facebook, uh, I think it was ESPN or Sports Illustrated. Or one of those brands, they they put out a post that said, "We will give someone a job at our company if they can explain exactly what was happening here." <laughs> I mean, because I don't think the coach or the offensive coordinator or anyone at this point can explain exactly what happened. Well, when they got to the sidelines, you could see the coach just saying over and over, "Why did you snap the ball? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think was going to happen?" Uh, with, did they think they were going to snap the ball and New England would just stand there? Like, what is going on? One of my favorite things. Did you ever play Tech Mobile when you were younger on Nintendo? I'm sure I did. Where you know, 20 years ago. Where it goes, hut, 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 hut. Sure. Right. So they actually, someone remade the play in Tech Mobile, which has brought back a lot of memories for me. But, you know, I mean, it's very simple. <laughs> they, they come out. Did it have the same outcome? Yeah. They come out. It's the same exact play. They come out, and then, like, the bottom half separates and goes, like, you know, south. Right. And the top half, like, moves around for a second. And then... and then They uh, just line up and crush them. Snaps the ball, and then... <laughs> I don't know, man. Blow the whistle. I don't know. It's terrible. Um, yeah, well, Andrew Luck, yes. So, fantastic. Uh, Devonta Freeman, we've been talking about him for a while now, along with everybody else, so let's be serious. He had 100 yards uh, on the ground, 56 yards in the sky. Uh, in the sky. Two touchdowns. Not, not through the air, in the sky. 27 fantasy points. This puts him really on a pace that no one, I, I don't think, has ever been on. You know you know who plays in the sky is DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, he's in the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Devonta Freeman, tell me your thoughts about him now. A lot of times someone will break out like this and then they will settle down. A lot of times uh, someone will break out like this and get injured. And then sometimes someone will break out like this and continue yeah, for the entire year. Sometimes they're DeMarco Murray from last year. I mean... Well, is it, it, how it, sneaky is it that the Atlanta offensive line is somehow really good? Or is it really on Freeman? Or is it on their new coach? Like, look, in his last four games, his lowest total was 29.2 points. I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. That's 
absolutely crazy. Well, it is one of those teams where you have Julio Jones, so you can't stack the box ever. I'm in the wrong league. So that's, that's slightly increased scoring. But still, uh, his games are amazing. And you're right. So, as long as Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are healthy and one of the most efficient passing combinations in the league, Devonta Freeman is going to have tons of running room. Uh, the Atlanta offensive line is pretty good at uh, pass protection, but even better at run blocking. Well, it's who they always wanted, right? Because Stephen Jackson, like, sure, he was he was good in theory and, and performed well on St. Louis for a number of years. But as soon as he got to Atlanta, was was really just kind of on his last legs. Before that, they had Michael Turner, the burner. Uh, you know, he was okay. But, yeah. like, they never had a guy like this uh, that really had that speed and, and burst and power. Um, what I'm asking is, is where did it come from? Like, so what kind of PED is he taking? Came from his mama. What kind of PED is he taking that is not uh, detectable yet by by league tests? I wouldn't know. I'm not gonna. <laughs> he's not one of my teams. I'm not gonna spoil it for him either. If I did know, <laughs> uh, so he has been great at catching the ball this year. He already has 32 catches, which has eclipsed his uh, catches from last year. I mean, look, the guy has 4.8 yards per carry, so he is getting a decent volume. He has a game with 30 carries already. But he's not being overused like a DeMarco Murray was. He only has 54 carries in the last three games. Uh, So he's getting lots of catches out of the backfield. Atlanta is a good team. I think Devontae Freeman is going to continue uh, his success. They're not sold on Tevin Coleman. Last week they tried getting him involved and he coughed up the ball. And uh, I think that, you know, Coleman is going to show a lot of success, but he's not... Uh, necessarily gonna it's not gonna be all him it's gonna be a lot of the offense setting him up for success okay Chris Ivory 20 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown three catches for 50 almost matching Freeman's performance and Chris Ivory is the top three guy now uh, overall and that's fantastic so Ivory we've said all year and in the preseason way before the drafts ever started being an inkling in your commissioner's eye yeah uh, we were talking about Chris Ivory this year being a guy that could be top five and, and was such a good you know, uh, value pick in the draft because he wasn't going early. He was going in the mid-rounds. And that's so fantastic because for all of you that took our advice or you know, got there on your own, you know, that's fine. There are others, <laughs> there's other smart people in the world. Uh, We're not, not the only smart people. It's not world. just us, yeah. Um, Ivory is such a great play on a week-to-week basis, and he, the Jets are in general have a great offense this year. Yeah, I, Ivory has 115 yards per game that's best in the nfl uh he's getting a little over 20 carries per game he has four touchdowns you know i i can't say enough about him he's played very well this year he's got two straight games of 166 and then 146 um you know it's funny when they put decker on the team i was like so Eric Decker, great. Well, he can't really do that much by himself. And then he did a lot by himself. And then they put Brandon Marshall and Chris Ivory on the team. And I'm like, well, this is going to be great, of course. But there's got to be a ceiling, right? It can't be super great because they don't have a quarterback. The ceiling is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and, and basically every single game, all three of those players are going to be fantasy relevant. Do you think, Dave, that your prediction of Ryan Fitzpatrick's demise uh, is premature? Uh, well, obviously, right? Because I said three games. Well, sure, but do you think that he can keep it up all year now? Uh, he's played well in most games. Last week, he had a 73% completion percentage, well, two touchdowns. Did, what did we say when he first got you know uh, put in that role? Fitzy, right, got matched up with 
if I'm not mistaken, the same offensive coordinator uh, that he had as as or when he was in Buffalo as, when he was when he had his well. best years. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, you got a guy that calls the plays that he likes to do. You got great playmakers, probably the best ever in his career. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm turning my prediction around and saying I don't care how long uh, you know. Uh, Geno Smith begs to be put back under center, but it's gonna, <laughs> it should be, and is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick for as long as they're doing well. And they play New England this week, so we'll see. He's thrown an interception every single game. I predict that that continues. That's He'll fine. throw one pick against New England well, New, for sure. New England will show us how good the Jets are. True, because you know Revis is going to pick everyone. Off. New England is the great revealer. Revis if someone gonna, can give them a good game, then they're going to be a good team. Revis is going to pick off Brady at least once because he is just unimaginably good. Yeah. Um, but but can the Jets actually beat the Patriots? I think they can. Wow. They have a really solid running game. They have really good receivers. Um, you know, I think that they can do it. Okay. James Starks was kind of a shocker that we should talk about. Uh, we have discussed Eddie Lacy over the past few weeks because he's been performing poorly. Uh, I think he's a buy low target. I kind of still do, but everyone has been complaining about him being, you know, this kind of uh, he's out of shape. Uh, he doesn't have any burst. He's injured. Uh, a lot of people are saying he has a lingering ankle injury that he's not. They're not reporting. Why wouldn't they report it first of all? But it's against the rules, in quotes. Well, you know, like if he has an injury, then what's the point of not saying he has an injury? How does that help them? I, I mean, I, I never, you know, maybe these guys understand that, like, when they spend time in practice thinking about a certain guy, if they don't need to, then they could spend time in practice doing other things. Right. Like, but, I, that's, I think, what it boils down to in a literal manner. But, you know, everyone plays these games with the injuries. Yeah. You know, Eddie Lacy may have just been very ineffective. No, you're totally right. Um, and he does tend to, if you look at his previous stats, do better towards the end of the season. So I'm not ruling out him coming back. In fact, I still think that Lacy will end up being a good running back. But I don't know about you know being like the number six back that he's been for the last couple seasons because it honestly looks like James Starks is now in a committee with Eddie Lacy where Starks is getting more production than Lacy is. And it doesn't just look that way. It is that way. It is that way. And you know what? Maybe he fits better in this kind of offense that they want to run. Well, we've always liked James Starks. We've always wanted him to be a fantasy player because he gets those breakout runs. But when you see 10 carries for 112 yards, for example, there was like two carries where he got like 80. I think that what all this is sort of highlighting is that Jordy Nelson really is as good of a player as everyone thought he is. Yeah, there's a hole. They're struggling so much without Nelson. Back when they had Nelson... A pass play was a pass play, and a run play was a run play. Therefore, Eddie Lacy was very effective. Right. But now, when it can be either or, James Starks is much more useful. Because Even though he doesn't missing. catch too many passes, they have that threat. They don't have enough good receivers on that team. Right. Randall Cobb is being shut down every single week. Well, Randall Cobb is the same case as some other guys where, like, uh, and I, not really like Percy Harvin. He's better than Percy Harvin. But to that degree, somewhat. Where you're a WR2 and you're doing really well, but if you're ever given that WR1 role, you're just not able to really fulfill it. Alshon Jeffrey, when Brandon Marshall was out, now he's sort of stepped up into that role. He's getting a little better. If, yeah. if, if Randall Cobb had a whole offseason you know, to prepare for that, I think he would be in better shape than he is now. Yeah, so he's just, frankly, you know, not Jordy Nelson, and they are desperately missing him, of course. Uh, so what does that mean for James Starks? Now let's talk about the, the real nuts and bolts. Uh, Eddie Lacy, 
James Starks. So Eddie Lacy is in a position where you could buy him low from a lot of people. Is that something that's interesting to you? Or do you really think that James Starks will end up being the, uh, not even the B to uh, Eddie Lacy's, or the, how do you say that, the 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 a b b one two is a one i don't know how that works a one a two usually is how they do it yeah, I think. okay so, or one a one b like if we were to classify them at this point um and we were to classify them between like a a lead back and a split back and a third down back would we say that they are splitting the carries or would we say that james starks in the last couple of games is leading the carries? can i compare them to another team in the league sure it looks to me a lot like cincinnati right now they are less effective than Cincinnati in the run game, but you know Eddie Lacy and Jeremy Hill, James Starks and Giovanni Bernard, mm-hmm. uh, similar dynamic between the two of them, and a similar split in work is what I see for Green Bay, where you know Eddie Lacy may be a hot hand in a game and get a decent amount of carries, but especially if he's not, he's maybe going to get half the carries. So then, does that mean that that James Starks? Is uh, like an RB three flex play, or is he an RB two? Like, what what does that make him? I honestly would feel better about starting James Starks in a situation like that rather than having to rely on Eddie Lacy to be my RB two, which is already a disappointment. Yeah, well, I, I tend to agree with you. Although I do think that Lacy could come back. It probably maybe it has something to do with an injury. Maybe it has something to do with their play calling and well, their wide receivers. This week they'll figure it out. If it is an injury, hopefully he gets better. It yeah. can be more effective. Um, you know, I, whenever I watch these games, I think, you know, if there's one thing that I can root for, is it is that th- there should always be offense all the time because that's just better for the fantasy world. Yeah. <laughs> well, then the NFL is going just your way. Points. I want more points. They're just Advance doing the ball, score touchdowns. They're installing as many rules as Get possible interceptions. to give you the points that you're looking for. There are fewer, there, there's almost no points available on kicking plays. Let's try to eliminate as many of them as we can. Now, well, one of the interesting things we'll touch on in just a second, actually, is the player transaction trends, which I really like. It shows in a Yahoo League, or you can look at an ESPN or NFL.com, um, all of the players that are being added and dropped across all the leagues. And you know, I know that doesn't break it down into what the rules are for those leagues, but if you look at this big of a uh, of a pool of things, you can start to get some aggregate information. And James Starks is being added by a lot of people, even though it's his bye week this week. So what that means is that so many people look at him going forward as someone they want on their team. And and I really can't disagree with that. I really can't. Uh, let's move on to wide receivers. Uh, and by the way, if anyone has any, any questions uh, that are listening live, lineup questions, etc., please feel free to use the chat room and let us know, and we'll try to answer them. We have a couple questions from Twitter that we'll get to after this next segment. Um, and for anyone who's listening afterwards, thank you for listening. Uh, again, we are the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast. Looking for a better name. So if anybody can think of anything snappy, uh, you can email me at dave at drink5.com or jason at jason at drink5.com and let us know if you have any ideas. Uh, I do know that uh, we are not going to be um, anything that is like a, a, a scheme or a play call because we've decided that that is not something we're interested in (laughs) all right we are the wildcat the wildcat podcast we're the i formation (laughs) the i formation (laughs) we're trips wide uh wide receivers jason so deandre hopkins yeah he had a really good game 15 targets 10 catches 148 yards two touchdowns ho-hum just another deandre hopkins game in 2015 so he's currently the uh the leader 
in targets for the entire NFL. And it looks like that's He's not... going to be the leader in targets the whole year if he plays only like two more games. It's not going to stop anytime soon. Right, right. Um, so Is he over 70 yet this year? He must be. Because, I'm sure he is. Because Emmanuel Sanders has... Uh, 89 targets in five games, six games. Yeah. So if That's he, absurd. If we extrapolate that out, that probably means that he'll break all the records and get like 180 targets or something like that. I mean, I don't know if they hold uh, target, you know... Records, if they worry about that so much, can you, can you see if there's a target record in the NFL? Uh, yes, I will look that up. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, so I was gonna see how many, uh, uh, what you call it. So, extrapolating his catches on the year, right? He has 52 catches this year, he would have 139 of them. Yeah, that's amazing. By the end of the year, if he plays all 16 games. So, he'll basically probably be the, the single most valuable fantasy football player of all time that's not a. Um, that's not named Adrian Peterson? Um, Ladanian Tomlinson? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, He'll join he, an elite he, he would have 1,936 receiving yards. Uh, I assume I mean, no one has ever had 2,000 yards. 13 receiving. touchdowns? Imagine that year. We said at the beginning of the year, hey, look, this guy... He has the potential to do this for sure. We weren't sure if he was going to have the quarterback. It's to get because him the ball. of the quarterback, but a lot of times, I mean, you got to remember, regardless of how terrible they are, they're NFL quarterbacks. They can throw the ball to a giant receiver. Uh, look, Ryan Mallett can get him the ball, but Ryan Mallett doesn't allow him to make big plays. Brian Hoyer has played mainly the last four games. In those games, uh, he's Mallett averaging has a better about arm. 15 yards per catch. He has nine, eleven, and ten. Receptions, yeah, but Brian Hoyer knows how to get DeAndre Hopkins the ball. He's better. a better quarterback. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So, you know, as long as Hoyer is playing, DeAndre Hopkins will remain at these lofty heights. If, uh, you know, if Brian Mallett somehow returns and DeAndre Hopkins just returns to mere slightly immortal status. <laughs> so we have Hopkins as our number two wide receiver going forward to this next week. And let's talk about the guy we have as number 11. And we're still way above like the consensus ranking on Fantasy Pros of all the other experts. They have him at 19. Now, in all of our rankings, we have always had Martavis Bryant way up higher than everybody else. And so far... Rightfully so. So far that has, has come true that we're probably you know, one of the the best people to predict sort of his performance because of the of the way that we're doing our predictions. And Martavis Bryant gets way more points per touch than almost anybody else in the NFL. Is it anybody else? Is he the, the leader? Look, when you when you look at the sample size that he has presented to us, then there's no one that's even close to him. What are his, his actual points per touch right now? All right, well, they did actually go up. <laughs> uh, so this year... Surprisingly enough. Um, this year, he's at 3.78 points per touch. So every time he touches the ball, he gets you three and three quarters points. Right, and in previous <laughs> seasons, he was at 3.59, you know... Kind of a slacker, I suppose, just over three and a half. Still uh, better so than everybody else. he's doing even better uh, this year. And so, that was with uh, with Michael Vick and Jarvis Landry. I'm sorry, Landry Jones. Yeah, basically all Landry Jones. Michael Vick only threw for six passing yards in that game. Well, fair enough. All, all Landry <laughs> Jones. And, and okay, so I'll, I'm going to take this little aside to, to say my little Steelers bit. Sure. Th- that is, thank God Michael Vick is no longer running our offense. Because Michael Vick was so terrible. Like, I know they put him in there because he's a much more experienced quarterback. But Landry Jones has been running the offense for a long time. 
There is no reason why this should not be the guy who runs it week seven against Kansas City. And if Landry Jones runs the offense this week, not only is he a good play, but so is Antonio Brown and so is Martavis Bryant. So this guy, uh, who has a third-string quarterback technically throwing him the ball, will probably score at least a touchdown in 80 yards. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's what he's averaging. I would expect maybe... Um, you know, maybe Antonio Brown can figure it out with him, but I, I don't know. Right, uh, Andrew Jones, that is. Well, <laughs> especially if they're opening up the the routes there through Martavis Bryant, you know. Right. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Antonio Brown has definitely been on a slump, and and until Big Ben gets back, we don't know. But Calvin Johnson now has nine targets, six receptions for 166 yards and a touchdown, 22 fantasy points. That's versus Matt Stafford. I mean, with, with Matt, Matt Stafford, Stafford against the Bears. And, of course, right, of course he had a good game versus this terrible passing defense that is the Chicago Bears. But how does this stack up for him for the rest of the year? So, Calvin Johnson goes as Matt Stafford goes. I think that that's pretty obvious. Calvin Johnson only has two games in double digits. This was his only real, like, good game to write home about this year. So, is year. this a sell high for him because you don't think he'll continue... Uh, being like a, a top-tier wide receiver. Look, you might get one, maybe two more 20-point games out of him this year. So you don't sell think high on him. You don't think he's going to last anymore? I, I don't even know if you can call it sell high. I think it's sell at his value right now because he's no longer like going low because he did have a good game, but he's not a sell high after just one game. Well, he's not an old receiver, so I wonder if the problem is it's just Stafford. Like, if they had a better quarterback, he would be he would be great because he doesn't look injured. You know, he looks like a giant, like he usually does. I think so. I think it's mostly Stafford. They're having a, you know... It, so Stafford's has, falling off, then. Yeah, I mean, he only had two catches in the first game. Okay, he has at least five in all the other games, and more than that most of the time. So, uh, you know, he's it's not funny. producing. Like, eight for 77, seven for 56, five for 67... That's not Calvin Johnson numbers. Well, at I all. get that. It's just hard to say that like the, these players are falling off when they have huge games. Like literally, Calvin Johnson with 166 yards, I think is the most yards that he's ever had playing against the Bears. And Matthew Stafford threw for over 404 touchdowns. It's hard to say that these players are falling off. You know what I mean? Like Peyton Manning, and I'll drink for that. Peyton Manning, yeah. Salute his career. By the way, we're playing a drinking game. If anybody else wants to play, whenever we say Peyton Manning, we're going to say congratulations for all of those years of service to the NFL. But you are declining, my friend. Congrats, Peyton. <laughs> you had a good career. But tell me, so so it's just because they played the Bears and they're going to be bad now? Like, it's hard for me to believe that. They're not going to be bad every week. I think they're going to be bad this week against Minnesota. I think that next week uh, they play Kansas City. Did they play Kansas City in uh, in London? Uh, I think they might. It says that the game's at 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. I um, Yeah, November 1st they play in London. England? No. London. Buffalo plays next week. No, yeah, no, there's another London game the oh, week after. Oh, you're talking about in week nine or week week eight? It would be week eight, yeah. There's two weeks in a yeah, row where there's Stadium. an early game? Yep. What do you this guys, week and next week. What do you guys think about the early games? I mean, seriously, do you get up at uh, wherever your time zone is at that early time and just flip on the TV and, and start watching? I mean, do you... You can't do that this week. You have to get up and grab your computer and stream it on Yahoo. 
It's not available on. Uh... It will not. It will be on television in local markets, I believe, hmm. but there will not be like a CBS broadcast for so, it. So because Yahoo like purchased this, right? And that shit's expensive. Yeah. Trust me. Well, I mean, we can still watch it on our TV, of course, through the magic of the technology and internet. Uh, through the magic of the computer hooked up to the TV. Well, I guess it's not that magical when you put it that way. Well, you know, all we have to do is go to, I think it's <laughs> uh, yahoo.com slash NFL stream. Okay. Well, uh, interesting. I mean, good for Yahoo, I guess, for spending a whole bunch of money because I'm sure it was like tens of millions of dollars or something ridiculous. Um, I'm sure, yeah. I bet it was close to, <laughs> I bet it was between 50 and $100 million that they spent. So let's uh, let's sprint past the tight ends. We got Greg Olson finally having a good game after uh, a, a really early season of, of not really catching very many. The past few games have been good for him. And you know that now he's just going to be tearing it up all the time. Once you find that chemistry, that thing that snaps between Cam Newton and Greg Olson, we have a history of how this works. Greg Olson is a top five tight end for the rest of the year. Uh, no doubt about that. And he had some pretty nice-looking catches. He's a great receiver. That touchdown play, that's going to be a highlight on both of their highlight reels for a long time. Mm-hmm. Beating Seattle in Seattle with a touchdown with less than a minute to go. Yeah, great throw by Cam, great catch by Greg, and it was just done. Yeah, I mean, he was between... Business as usual. He was between two guys who might be Hall of Famers. Yeah. Okay, that was just an amazing play. That's going to be a play that they watch in 10 years. Um, Benjamin Watson, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 127 yards, and a touchdown. 18 fantasy points. So we've talked about him before. You know when Jimmy Graham leaves somewhere, you know you have to have someone to fill in. And it looked like maybe Ben Watson would be the guy from the beginning. But as it was for Greg, and as it is for so many players, it does take a little bit of time to sort of build that rapport. And I know it's not like uh, Ben Watson wasn't familiar with Drew Brees. but He'd been on the team a couple of years. But, but in this role. Exactly. He has to get it together to actually go out there and perform. I don't know if he can continue at this level for the rest of the season, but I do know that he's going to be highly targeted uh, for the, the games going forward. Uh, teams are going to remember to cover him. From now on, I think that that was part of the problem on Thursday night. So, uh, you know, be that as it may, uh, Ben Watson is going to get a lot more work. It looks like he's settled into the role of maybe primary or at least second target in every single pass pattern. Yeah, and another guy who's a tight end that is, um, you know, maybe no one thought he would ever amount to something really relevant is Gary Barnage. 30-year-old tight end that no one's ever heard of on Cleveland. Now he's scoring multiple touchdowns per game. Uh, He had three receptions for 39 yards and two touchdowns for 15 fantasy points. Uh, That was this past week. But remember, he had nine targets. So uh, Josh McCown is throwing the ball a lot. He won't always connect with Barnage. It tends to be, I, I think of him as like a super Scott Chandler that can catch the ball, is a red zone target, and is getting more targets than Scott ever did when he was on Buffalo. Um, I think that that's he, a super duper Scott Chandler. I think that well, well, Scott Chandler would score like a touchdown every other game, but he'd only get like two targets a game. Yeah, but Barnage has a couple games with over a hundred yards too. Yeah, because he's getting eight targets a game. They don't. I mean, they have him and Travis Benjamin to throw the ball to. They don't have any backs. I'm so surprised he's the only dump off target. I'm still surprised that Brian Hartline isn't doing better over there. I think Brian Hartline's done. Well, certainly possible. I Gary Barnage is a guy to own. He has to be because that's almost the primary target of uh, Josh McCown's passes. And if someone throws the ball 45 times a game and you are getting like, you know, uh, a quarter or a fifth of that, 
then then you are just going to be great as long as you can catch the ball half the time, a quarter of the time, a third of the time. You're still going to be better than a lot of other players in the and, NFL. And his his catching rate is a lot better in previous game. Uh, six for uh, ten, six for six, eight for ten. So I don't worry too much about the three catches on nine targets. Got it. Well, I'll, I'll try not to worry. All right. Good. <laughs> Time to crack another beer. All right. So you mentioned this earlier, but the player transaction trend. I look at this every Monday. I love or every Tuesday. I love the transaction trends. Yeah, well, you know, if you're a fantasy football player and you're really into it, then you're probably into statistics. Um, how many targets has have those players had from that team? Who are the target leaders? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're looking at waiver wire picks and who to pick up and who to drop. Um, the most important thing that you can look at to try to get some sort of, uh, of idea as to what the hive mind thinks, you know, as to what everyone else that plays fantasy football is thinking, is to look at these statistics from these giant companies. So let's just look at Yahoo. Yahoo is a company that has hundreds of thousands of fantasy football leagues. Um, I don't know exactly how many they have, actually. Uh <laughs> If there's a stat... I think it's in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I'd, I'd figure as much. Um, so what you can see if you go to these transaction trends pages is you can see exactly how many... Uh, how many team... Well, how many leagues there is a team that is adding or dropping someone out of all of those different leagues. And this is not a percentage. It's just It's sort an of, actual number. It's a number. And, and what this gives us is this kind of, uh, this kind of bar to measure these players... Uh, and how people are feeling about them. So, it's important. If you're talking about trading, if you're talking about adding players, if you're talking about dropping players, it's important to look and see what everybody else thinks. It's kind of like the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you know, aggregate movie review uh, (laughs) sort of statistic. So, for example, if we look at quarterbacks, we have Blake Bortles, who is being added in 13,000 leagues. Now, that is... uh, That is today... It is a large amount, and what what I'm saying uh, for all these players is going to be among the um, largest amount of leagues, either adding or dropping. So Blake Bortles, thirteen thousand leagues are adding him. He is a guy that is in the top five quarterbacks of uh, you know performances throughout the entire year this year. It, it is amazing to me that up until this week, in fact, up until I think today or yesterday, he was only owned by like forty percent of leagues. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's now owned by, uh, what is it, 50, 45%. I mean, come on. I don't know why people aren't getting on the Blake Bortles bandwagon. Uh, maybe there's too many Bs in that for you. But uh, to, to answer the trivia question of how many teams are there, uh, so I have a prediction that it's somewhere between uh, six and 800,000 teams. Why is that your prediction? Okay, so uh, <laughs> when you look at Bortles, he has uh, his... his Percentage has gone up by two percent in the last day. So two percent of all leagues have added. Uh, have do, added do you know that Blake for Bortles. sure? That's what it says on the stat right there. Okay. 
Oh uh, well, then you when know you open up his page, he's extrapolating, ladies and gentlemen. So so that comes to about six hundred thousand, but that's not very accurate. Um, but it's close. The leagues also have IDs. We're in a league with an ID number of over seven hundred and fifty thousand. Well, the, it's five hundred thousand to a million active leagues, right? Uh, absolutely, I think that that's without saying absolutely the case. Wouldn't and that's just on Yahoo. I'm sure ESPN, NFL.com have at least the same amount. Right. I, I I don't know who has more. I would chance to say that it would be a free one. Uh, so one of those three. Yeah, CBS has a ton, but they are uh, generally paid leagues, right? Yeah, they're a paid league. So I, I would think it would probably be uh, Yahoo or ESPN. I know, I know that uh, NFL wants to take a big chunk out of that. I've never played in an NFL league. I don't really know how it is, <laughs> to be honest with you. I know they do like video... Um, some kind of video like playback uh, highlights, like a highlight reel of all your guys, which is kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, that's cool. Uh, well, come on, you you watch the touchdown montage. I don't need to be a curmudgeon about it. <laughs> I don't like you know pop up videos and stuff. No, but of course, I, you but wanna, it wouldn't be a pop up video. You want to see your players It'd be something doing that I well. would load up. Yeah, look, if I like, could watch like a highlight of it was like your your team scored the most touchdowns in the league this week. I got right. a, a medal for that. If I could then watch a highlight of all, I scored nine touchdowns, even though I lost the freaking game. Well, that's that's roster baiting, you know. That's that's what it is about. That's like, yeah. oh, so I just won this game by sixty points. Oh, how many points did oh, I win yes. this game by? Sixty points. Oh, I can watch Devontae Freeman at thirty-one. I can points. watch all those touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, Bortles plays against Buffalo this week, and so that could be why some people aren't picking him up still. However, I don't care who he plays against. It doesn't matter at this point to I'm me. I'm not thrilled with that matchup, but I think I he, see he'll you. still be be a good player because he has a lot of weapons, and that's that's what it's about. Sure. Um, dropping Sam Bradford, 9,000 leagues. That's a lot. Uh, he, he's being dropped from a lot of leagues because people are fed up with him. They don't want to give him a chance anymore. He throws a lot of interceptions lately. And even though he does throw touchdowns, and sometimes he does look good, on the flip side of it, he also you know doesn't look good half the time or more. So the Eagles may get it together. They're getting their running game together. They looked better against the Giants. Um, we'll see. But at this point, Sam Bradford is a very questionable play on a week-to-week basis because although he could score you two touchdowns and 250 yards, he might have a lot of negative points from the bad plays that he's uh, stepping into. Any insight into that? Look, Sam Bradford is kind of crappy this year. Even last week when, uh, or on Monday night when, you know, they, they had a good game, the running game was going, he still threw three interceptions. Mm-hmm. I don't see him as a starter anywhere. I suppose in two quarterback leagues, you're still starting him because you don't have a choice. You know, you need to have that second guy. He's a low end QB two, at best. You can find better backups on your bench to pick up off the waiver wire. Um, adding Stefan Diggs, a guy you may not have heard of, the last two weeks has been great. Uh, he has 19 targets for over 200 yards in the last two games. And it looks like to me, you know, that this is just a guy that is that's going to be, um, you know, being the receiver, the main receiver on Minnesota, uh, opposite Mike Wallace for the rest of the year because Charles Johnson had some lingering injuries and Charles Johnson broke out late last year and everyone thought that Johnson would obviously be the shoe-in candidate to be the number one wide receiver this year, but that didn't happen. Now Stefan's a six-foot guy who uh, is pretty physical, did well in college, 
Um, I think that this is another guy that if you miss picking up, if you have the opportunity to and you miss picking up, you're going to regret it because he's going to continue these numbers. Uh, Wallace is a receiving threat that opposing teams cannot deny. Adrian Peterson is on that team. And Teddy Bridgewater looks pretty good this year. Now they've decided to throw the ball a little bit more. I think Stefan Diggs is a is a pickup and a starter as a wide receiver three the rest of the year. Interesting. I hadn't really even given him much consideration. I just figured it was yet another guy uh, out of there. But is uh, who who is out there now? Isn't somebody out either an injury or sort of been phased out? You mean a receiver? Yes. Well, they had Charles Johnson and Jarius Wright. I think Wright probably <laughs> isn't playing very much anymore, and Johnson is out. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's coming back. But it doesn't mean anything because if someone takes your job, then you're really just competing for snaps. That's true. I mean, that's what happens. Um, so, I mean, guy to look at. Uh, put him up there. Definitely one of those people that are under the radar. Uh, Brandon LaFell is an ad 9,000 leagues. Also, uh, Diggs, I mean, 24,000 leagues, right? That's, that's a lot. That's the most we've talked about. So as far as number of leagues picking him up, it's a huge amount. And these guys give us a jump start into uh, what people are thinking because a lot of these leagues don't have waivers. So you can pick someone up at any time. And that's why we're looking at these stats. Because if everybody had waivers and, and Tuesday night or Wednesday night was when you pick up the free agents. There would be no stats like this. All of these stats. Well, yeah, all these stats are for people who don't have waivers. Yeah, there would be no way for us to determine uh, you know, what is going on and what is above and ahead of the curve. Now, Stefan Diggs might be being picked up in deep leagues and dynasty leagues, but I would consider him, of course, 19 targets, 200 yards, to be uh, someone to pick up in any league. Brandon LaFell is maybe going to start this week, maybe not, not sure, but he's, he's able to start. And New England is a black hole of injury news, so <laughs> they're not about to tell us. But it's true. you remember Brandon LaFell from last year. There's no reason to think that he's not going to be the same. Which, or better because the offense is better this year. Which means that he'll be a target monster that some weeks will have way better games than Edelman. And some weeks Edelman will have way better games than him. But any week, if you're in a PPR league, he's a wide receiver too. Yes. So uh, he's not owned by that many people. He's still out there on the wire some places. He needs to be picked up. Um, and we're seeing him get picked up. But he's still under the radar because they haven't even talked about him practicing. Yeah. So I must update, uh, keep everybody updated on the Fred Jackson uh, saga. Yeah, what's the latest news? In, so uh, CBS Sports' Jason Lockhanfora reports that they weren't even drag racing. Uh, apparently he just pulled out of the team facility a little too fast, misjudged a sharp turn, crashed into a stop sign. Oh, I so can totally T see that happening. So TMZ was overstating the story. A guy uh, with a car <laughs> that, you know, maybe he... Does know how to drive it. Maybe he's not so great at driving it. Uh, it has a lot of power. Gets on the throttle a little too Fred, much. Fred Jackson was pissed. He wanted Let's to peel out. Around. He doesn't know how to peel out. <laughs> it's just an accident. It's a little suspicious that everyone fled right away. But maybe Marshawn left because he was like, oh, well, my buddy was being an idiot and I'm just going to go home. You know, eh, it's no big deal. And if he hit a flower box and something else, he's probably just fine. So, so originally the report was that they were drag racing. But it appears that, uh, of course, uh, the the primary source in that being TMZ, not necessarily the the best place to go to. Ooh, they overstated the news. Crazy. TMZ? No way. Uh, Christine Michael, a guy that I've been talking about for a while because I drafted him as a rookie in my Dynasty League, 
Let's let's talk a little bit, you know, 30 seconds about his... his Stockholm Syndrome with Christine Michael. Well, so does everybody else now. <laughs> it's nice to be finally on, like, the positive side of things. It's, it's good to have kept him for so long and now have this sort of uh, thing building up, you know? I could have dumped him for years. Sure, sure. Now but, you're just like a crazy person who's been yelling forever, and finally everybody is listening to you. No, in fact, like I might not even start the guy, but isn't it amazing that he gets another chance against the best offensive line, arguably, in football? With the best offensive line, yes. Isn't that great? Uh, dude, it's great for him, and he's going to be a starter. He never really got that opportunity in Seattle. And when we saw him in the preseason, he would run for like 150 yards. I'm and... anxious to see what he can do with this opportunity. And we know Joseph Randall is an idiot. Yes. And so, I don't care how... a perfume and underwear larcenist. <laughs> I think as I read on Roto World a while back. So he was added by 12,000 leagues. A lot of people are saying he'll get his chance to start next week. And if not start, then probably split carries with Randall. But basically, the Cowboys uh, you know, management, they want to see how Michael will do. Because they don't believe in Joseph Randall. And if you look at his stats you'll see that even though they look good from a fantasy perspective, the touchdowns he's scoring are questionable at best, and the yardage he's putting up is not good. And the only reason that his stats are anything to speak of at all is because of the offensive line. So I don't care how big of a hole they put there, you know, a lot of people could run through that. If you have a good back like DeMarco Murray, a powerful back or a fast back, none of those things are Joseph Randall. Agreed. Definitely. Uh, so I do like him as a speculative grab, and not only that. Now I think he's being owned by by you know at least thirty percent of people or something, uh, if not last week, then this week. So it's more than speculative. In fact, in all the leagues that I'm in, he's no longer available in any of them, and that's nine leagues. Right, and it's just over fifty percent now in Yahoo leagues. I think so. That's a large amount. That that is yeah. a player that you know, and he was a sneaky pickup. It would still be valid, even if your league has waivers this week, because he was on a bye last week. He's not on waivers. In two leagues, I did that. At least in Yahoo leagues. Yeah. So you can just add him. And obviously, if you went to put in a claim on him, you would have noticed that you could just add him. But you can just add him tonight. You don't have to put in a claim. Yeah, you can still take him right now, in fact. Because you just have to drop somebody who played on your bench. Because he didn't actually play. Had a buy. Yahoo only only takes those people and puts them on waivers if they played a game. When their game starts, exactly. i got to remember no that. If no game that starts, then they're good. A couple of years ago, I think there was a similar thing that happened where someone was announced the starter. And I had no idea you could go in and do that. Um, uh, drop Sharkhandrick West, 10,000 leagues. So, Jamal Charles... I want to say, personally, and I just want to pat myself on the back because it's a nice thing to do. makes me feel good. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. I didn't pick up Shark Hendrick West or Niall Davis anywhere after Jamal Charles because there are better people to pick up. They are not good running backs. Is, is that so hard for you guys to understand? They can't replace Jamal Charles. No one can replace Jamal <laughs> Charles. I don't care what Kansas City does. Uh, there is no one that they can pick up or slot in or anything that is going to put up like relevant running back one or two numbers at this point. Not on that team. I mean, maybe if they had a better offensive line, um, you know, everyone saw early in the year that D'Angelo Williams looked like he was replacing Le'Veon Bell until everyone remembered what Le'Veon Bell looked like. Well, but but I'll tell you what, D'Angelo Williams was really good. He actually was a good running right. back. And Thomas Rawls has done very well for uh, Marshawn Lynch as well. So but those guys. There are, are situations yeah. where it's valid, um, but 
a team like the Chiefs and a guy like Charles, you're only getting that production out of Charles. Yes, correct. And especially if they're going to consider it's just going to be a committee probably in Kansas City, you don't want to be starting either of them. So give up the ghost, people, because I don't care if you're starting Niall Davis or Shark Hendrick West or DeAnthony Thomas. None of those guys are going to get you what you had with Charles. In fact, not even half of that. Maybe grade ourselves on last week. See how good we were. Yeah, you wanna you wanna go over that a little bit? I uh, sure we can buzz through it real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna go bring us a little uh, little drink, a little a little treat. a little drink, yeah. a very little drink, just a tiny one. Maybe. So Josh McCown uh, was trending up as of uh, the end of last week, and um, we predicted, we guessed, uh, uh, will he stay in the top ten quarterbacks or not? Because he had been for the last several weeks. Uh, Dave said no. I said yes. And McCown wound up finishing with 13.72 points. Uh, only 213 yards, two touchdowns, two picks uh, against the Broncos, who admittedly are going to be his toughest matchup of the year. So uh, 22nd overall only. So Dave wins that one. Uh, Blake Bortles, um, uh, we, we asked, will he put up over 21 points? We skipped it as a bet because we both agreed that he probably would. Uh, and he did. He put up 25.94 points, 331 yards, three touchdowns, also three picks. So he's got to work on that. But, um, you know, we definitely saw that coming. Bortles has been trending up for a while now. We just talked about him. He's been uh, very good this year. Uh, so mm, on to the trending down quarterbacks. Matt Stafford was trending down, um, but we agreed that since he uh, was facing Chicago, he would put up over 20 points, even though his cap over the previous three weeks was only 10 and a half. Uh, and he put up 35 points almost, uh, 405 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, we said that his downward trend uh, will it continue. Uh, we put the over-under on him at 16, and uh, Dave went under. I went over. Uh, silly me, what am I thinking? Peyton Manning, uh, you know, and since I've said his name several times, I will drink for it. However, um, he only put up 12.6 points, 290 yards, one touchdown, uh, three picks. So Dave wins that one as well. Uh, so Dave is up 2 to nothing right now on the bets. Um that was for uh, Peyton Manning, so I will I will drink for that one. And we'll all drink for that. We salute all of your performances, Peyton Manning, but you are coming to a close, my friend. Uh, so Doug Martin has been trending up. We did kind of agree that he would probably trend up, but he's not. He didn't play last week, so uh, no bet on him. Uh, Justin Forsett, um, we couldn't agree on it, but we didn't want to bet on it either. Uh, we said, uh, you know, is he going to just be good because of Flacco? Will he put up good numbers? He only had 10.1 points, so it was all kind of just mediocre there. Um, it's You expect more out of a guy like Forsyth. Well, that's, look at us. You know, It's a reason why we didn't want to bet between like running back 1-2 because he was like sort of right in the middle of everything. Right. It was like warm beer. Yeah. He's just like warm beer. Meh. <laughs> uh, so we, bet on Lata- we didn't bet on Latavius Murray. We both agreed that he would go over 11.5 points against San Diego. We will find that out on Sunday when they play. Um, 
Eddie Lacy. So uh, we had been pointing out Eddie Lacy's giant slump. Um, we said, will he be in the top 10 against San Diego, a team that had very poor running defense? Dave said that, yes, he would make it. I said, no, he won't. He had only two points, four carries, three yards, two catches for 17 yards. So I win that one. Uh, Dave ends up finishing up this week 2-1. to one. And I don't remember what we wound up betting on for this whole conglomeration. Um, I think it was, uh, I have to buy pizza at some point. And you get to like pick where we order from and everything. And what we order. Well, that's terrific, but it's not all decided, right? Uh, well, that's it for this week. The other, the rest of the bets are things that we had agreed on or didn't bet on. I see. Uh, so the other trends that we looked at from last week, uh, Alan Robinson had been trending up. Um, we didn't bet because we thought he'd be good anyways. He is fifth overall this season. Uh, last week he had 14.6 points, six catches, 86 yards, a touchdown. Not only is he putting up the points, he's getting a lot of receptions too. So even in PPR, he's pulling his weight. Uh, Willie Sneed had a decent game. Um, uh, we asked, will he be the number one wide receiver going forward for the Saints? It does kind of look like he might be, especially if Ben Watson uh, can step up. Then they'll complement each other, I think. Uh, Sneed only had five and a half points, four catches for 55 yards, uh, no touchdowns or anything like that. Uh, the four catches is uh, encouraging that they're going to keep using him. So as long as he gets the use, I think that he'll be on more often then he's off. Uh, guys who were turning down, Mike Evans, who I mentioned in the rankings article this week that I don't like him at all uh, coming up, but he did not uh, play. So he was trending down. I think he continues. Mm-hmm. Um, Antonio Brown uh, did not have um, you know the stones to bet on this and to pull the trigger in my lineups. Even though I should, I was saying in the show, should we bench Antonio Brown? I was saying I really want to, but I can't because he's Antonio Brown. Well, and obviously Vic and he only cannot had, throw the ball. To he Brown. only had like thirty-seven yards. Yeah, um, I think he had negative receiving yardage until Landry Jones came in. Um, and then uh, tight ends who were trending up. We did not bet on uh, Gary Barnage, but he continues to be hot. He's the number two tight end in the league in terms of scoring right now. Uh, 15.9 points last week, like we were talking about him earlier. Uh, just absolutely great. I think that he's an every week start until he starts faltering now. Mm-hmm. Now it's you wait and see until you decide till you need to sit him. Uh, and then the tight end... With the biggest name who was trending down was Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. Had a bunch of really poor games. It looks like in this game, finally, Jimmy Graham understood the concept of a scramble drill. He was getting open on you know all the times when Russell Wilson had the play breakdown and he was just running and trying to find somebody. This time, Jimmy Graham presented himself and was able to get eight catches for 140 yards. Easily his best game in Seattle, even though he didn't score a touchdown. So uh, they did lose, unfortunately, for them. Um, but but Graham should Graham uh, did pretty well. Continue to trend up, and, and Seattle will probably figure it out too. I mean, they're one of those offenses <sighs> like Green Bay that even though maybe they might not be doing amazing right now, they're gonna pick it up. So we have a question from the chat room. It's from Father Pickle. Great name, by the way, Father Pickle. I don't know exactly what that means, but <laughs> he says he has a running back question for the week. Needs to pick two. Of Doug Martin, Chris Ivory, and Latavius Murray in half PPR. Oh, wow. So I believe that the answer uh, from us is going to be Doug Martin and Chris Ivory. And uh, Latavius Murray needs to sort of show a little bit more uh, before he can eclipse those two. Because those two guys are are both 
in the top? Uh, They're both in our top 10. Uh, Latavius Murray just outside at 13, but uh, we've got Chris Ivory at 3, Doug, Ma- um, Doug Martin at 9. Right. Uh, and I, I agree, you know, even just looking at that on paper, uh, that you start Doug Martin there. The Bucks play the Redskins. Good matchup there. Um, Oakland has to play San Diego, so I like Murray. If you've got him, maybe a, an open flex position, get Murray in there too. But if you only can pick two of those guys, I agree, Chris Ivory and Doug Martin. Well, well, because Ivory and Martin are doing really well lately, and and Murray does need to show us a little bit. Plus, if you put uh, even if you put a little PPR action into that, and then give uh, passes uh, or receptions <coughs> rather a little extra oomph, uh, Martin still grades out higher than Murray. And they it, all probably catch roughly the same amount of passes. It's probably because of the the touchdowns that um, that Martin and Ivory have scored. And so what you really want, right, regardless of, of the yardage that and the amount of times you touch the ball, are those goal line touches. And I think Ivory and Martin right now are more likely to get you those than the Oakland offense is. Uh, absolutely. And I did, I, I lied a little bit about the reception. So Ivory only has six. Yeah. Uh, Doug Martin has 11. Latavius Murray has 17. Very nice. He has more, but he's not a PPR. Stone. But he only has ninety-eight yards on those receptions. He's not doing very. And they've much been using that. Roy Halu a lot. That's like for uh, the third down position. That's like rushing stats, really. Mm-hmm. That's rough. So we would go with uh, Martin and Ivory. In fact, I actually have a league where I'm starting Martin and Ivory this next week. So good luck to you, Doug and Ivory, Father Pickle. We will be uh, sort of in the same boat. So let's do a uh, shot here, a little, a little whiskey. Uh, in honor of Father Pickle's team destroying the competition this next week. So going into week seven, the team is on by Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, Green Bay Packers, and Cincinnati Bengals. And what's interesting about that? Three of those teams are undefeated. And the Broncos and the Packers will be playing each other coming out of the bye. So uh, both teams will be 6-0, and I believe. And uh, the last time that that happened was Peyton Manning's Colts playing the uh, New England Patriots in 2007. And that's a Jeopardy-style clue, Dave. Who won that game? The Colts. Uh, no, the Patriots did. That's the year that they went undefeated. Ah, there you have it. Yes. All right, so uh, pick a game from next week. What should we talk about? Uh, well, what I'd like to do, actually, if, if there's no complaints from uh, from you. Okay. Uh, is, I, I'm not complaining. Is do a couple bets here. All right. All right, so what I think we should do is this. Um... We should bet a series of players, uh, one quarterback, um, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a defense, and a kicker. Basically, an entire fantasy football team. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at our own rankings and pick the guys that are um, 19 and 20 on all of those. And then we're going to go ahead and bet between those two players. So we're going to we're going to play a fantasy football team between each other. Okay. All right. So here's what happens. You're going to start, 
and you get first choice. Then I get the next choice. So I have draft pick one. Are we going to do a snake draft? <laughs> so here's how it works. Uh, can you can you fill these out? Are you prepared? Yes, for that? I, I I can write this down. I think. Okay, so first is uh, Sam Bradford versus Kirk Cousins as quarterback. You get to choose which quarterback you would like. Oh, can I pick the third option? Death. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam Bradford versus Carolina, tough matchup. All right, well let me talk this through for a second. Sam Bradford, Kirk Cousins uh, versus Tampa. Bay. The Eagles are going to be playing. Um, I don't see them on the schedule. Why don't I see the little eagle? They're playing the Panthers. Panthers at. Night in Carolina. Yeah, it's going to be good for the Panthers. Not desirable. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Redskins play at home against the Buccaneers. Um, I oh, I still got to take Sam Bradford. Well, see, I would too. Absolutely. Yeah. But I guess I'll take Kirk Cousins. Okay. Dave has Kirk Cousins, Corsions, and uh, I have... I, I figure if I make a typo, everyone has to know about it. Right. And then I'll take Sam Bradford... So, Dave, uh, what's the next choice? So, we're doing running backs now. And what we're going to do with those is we'll start at 19, like I said. uh, And we'll go ahead and move back between those two back and forth. Shouldn't we do like uh, 18, 19, and 20, 21? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, the first one is, uh, 1920 is what it is, is Andre Ellington uh, and Christine Michael. And I get to choose one. Okay. So, I'm choosing Christine Michael to start Wow, what a surprise. Dave takes Christine Michael. Well, let's be honest. Ellington really has not had very many opportunities to do well in, in recent games. So you take Andre Ellington. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> the next two guys are LeGarrette Blunt and Marcel Reese. Now, LeGarrette Blunt plays the Jets. Tough defense. Marcel Reese, we have really high in our rankings. Um, it probably because but of... Marcel uh, Reese is, in the, is number 35. Sorry? Marcel Reese is our number 35 guy. Well, that's not what I'm seeing. Hold on. Let me re- reset this. Then. Yeah, our uh, our 18 and 19 were TJ Yeldon and Antonio Andrews. I don't know what happened there. Oh, you know what? So let, let's reset then. Sorry about that. Uh, and our Bradford and Cousins were still right. Bradford uh, and Cousins were right. 19 and 20 are Antonio Andrews and Christine Michael. I'm not doing 18. It's 19 and 20. 19 20. Antonio Andrews. So I have Antonio Andrews and not Andre Ellington. Correct. Maybe you just... Uh, Misspoke. Sorry. Uh, Chris Johnson versus Carlos Hyde. Who That's better. I, I like Antonio Andrews more in that situation. <laughs> That's fine. So He is not a starter by any means. Okay, so what, what numbers are you pulling for the next one? I told you Chris Johnson and Carlos Hyde. Okay, uh, I will take... Um, Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> so Arizona this week, uh, they're playing... Uh, the Ravens on Monday Night Football, and the 49ers are going to be playing... They play Seattle. On Thursday night. Yeah, I, I was leaning towards Chris Johnson. Looking at the matchups, I definitely want Chris Johnson. Well, take Carlos Hyde. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to wide receiver. Again. So there's three here. The first choice is between T.Y. Hilton and Vincent Jackson, and I get to choose. Okay. So I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton. All right, I can respect that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're going to take the, the better guy. Well, Vincent I, that's, Jackson, that's who I would take as well. Well, we talk about Vincent Jackson all the time, right? V-Jax could have a game where he puts up 25 points, but it's only going to happen three or four times a year. Yeah, you know, I don't like the way that Mike Evans has been performing this year, so maybe it'll be Vincent Jackson. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Next, we have to choose between... Dante Moncrief versus New Orleans, or Willie Sneed at Indianapolis. Not Jarvis Landry? 
and Dante Moncrief. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on here. Jarvis Landry versus Houston or Dante Moncrief versus New Orleans. I really like Dante Moncrief lately. He's been playing very well, putting up a lot of points, but we're not playing PPR. Oh, man. You know what? I'm taking Moncrief. I know that you probably want Landry in this oh, You're crazy. Too. Landry's a stud, man. Okay. I, I love this. You're just giving me my guys. All right. And then uh, for our final wide receiver choice, we have to choose between Willie Sneed and Tavon Austin, which is actually a great choice to make. It's really interesting. Tavon Austin has been playing sort of out of his mind, but he's so unpredictable. Willie Sneed is a new guy who you just talked about. Only had four receptions last week, but he's a guy who's being passed to a lot on that team. Um, so it's it's up to me. Yep. And uh, in, So Willie Sneed does have a better matchup playing Indianapolis. In that situation, uh, I would generally go with Willie Sneed. I'm going to throw caution to the wind and choose Tavon Austin. Oh, you're going for uh, high ceiling there. I, I like am. that. Yeah. So, so kind Dave, of like crazy 70-yard. Tavon like, Austin. Uh, from scrimmage play. And I will have Willis Need. All right. All right, now we get to pick tight ends. So are we going to do the 1920 tight end or the maybe 10-11 tight end? Nope. It's the same as what I said at the beginning. It's the rules, right? Vernon Davis versus Seattle. Oh, God. Or Brent Selleck at Carolina. I don't think either of these guys are going to have any points. <laughs> I really don't. Can, can we pick another one at random? Well, how, how can you randomly pick something that, that like you, you have, you've already looked at? Uh, I mean, you would like roll a die and be like, okay, we're going to go with this number. Uh, uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. I defer to you. I'll take whichever one you don't want. I defer to you. I'm going to give you the choice on this one. Okay, I'll take Vernon Davis. Okay, that's fine. I probably would have taken Brent Selleck. Brent Selleck can have big games. He's can have touchdowns, etc. Yeah, well, Brent Selleck's brother is taking snaps from Vernon Davis. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Alrighty, then we're going to have kickers. Uh, the 19 and 20 kicker, huh? Well, uh, what we currently have here is Kai Forbath from Washington versus Greg Zerline. That's not fair. Kai Forbath isn't the kicker for Washington right now. Yeah, because I haven't updated these rankings. So instead of that, we'll do we'll do uh, ten eleven. Blair Walsh versus Blair Walsh versus Dan Bailey. Um. So Blair Walsh plays Detroit. Yeah, and Dan Bailey of the Cowboys. Who do they play? The Giants. Are they at home? Uh, they are at uh, New York. No, give me Blair Walsh. Okay, I'll so take Dan, Dan Bailey. Bailey. Always like Dan Bailey. And finally, for the defenses. Well, I guess we'll do the same thing. So that's uh, 10-11, which is uh, the Jets or the Redskins. Ooh, Dave. And that's really interesting. Yeah, the Jets are going to be playing a tough matchup against the Patriots. But they they still get points from turnovers. They're good at that. I don't know. Meanwhile, the Redskins, the obvious choice, they play the Buccaneers. Well... I mean that's pretty obvious. <laughs> I think I think they're actually very uh, very even. Uh, I is it my choice to pick one? It is. I've already written down wrote written down the answer. I think that we're about at the end of the show because I can't say words. Oh, that's the way fine. I should be anymore. Well, it's that one last shot. I think we took there. Uh, well, that'll do it. I you know when you forget about the shot is when they're dangerous. As much as I like uh, you know playing against Tampa Bay, I'm selecting the Jets. You know what's funny is I, that's the way I wrote it down. <laughs> okay. Because the Jets just have a really solid uh, secondary. Sure. Probably maybe a pick six involved here some, somewhere. All right, Dave. So your team is Kirk Cousins. 
Kirk Cousins. Oh, great. Plural. Uh, Christine Michael, Carlos Hyde, T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis Landry, Tavon Austin, Vernon Davis, Dan Bailey, and the Jets. How many points do you suppose you might score? Well, that's crazy. Well, come on. I mean, a, a good standard league, uh, you can put up 120 points with a really solid team. Obviously, we're pulling, you know, not from the solid areas. We're just going to keep... Uh... We're just going to keep saying. I mean, so, so we're, we're going to sort of posit the I points that we're going to score. I would say your team's score. good for 65 to 70. <sighs> we're we're going to play standard scoring Yahoo League. Uh, I'll go with uh, 85 points. Oh, 85. He's an optimist, folks. <laughs> Eternally. I, I, I think that I'm good for about 75, but I also think that I'm going to beat Dave. Wow, well, there you go. So, so, uh, so what is it exactly that we're betting on? Because well, We're betting on something. We're wagering... Well, now that we know what the bet is, <laughs> what is the wager? Hmm. Well, I think what I'd like to do, and uh, you know, this might be tough. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't do it. It's just crazy. It's so crazy. We have to do it. It just might work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the winner. Hmm. Well, we we did a we did a movie bet, we did a pizza bet, we've done beer bets. Uh, what is something else that's interesting? I mean, all those bets are great. Sure. Hmm. Any suggestions? Uh, how about the uh, the the loser must purchase the winner uh, two uh, disc golf discs. For no more than thirty dollars. Nope. Okay, we'll we'll play for. <laughs> nope. We'll play for a uh, yeah a, a disc golf disc. That's great. Well, so, I was I was saying two, but let's make it one. We'll play for a disc golf okay disc of of the winner's choice, no more than you know like twenty two dollars. Okay, that means that you can get a really nice disc. Yep. Perfect. Well, that's great. That'll be fun. Um, so kind of this, this extra fantasy football matchup. It's like our own fan duel matchup where it's just the two of us. That's great. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, now we, we, we have to come up with a caveat. So just, just so that all these people know, you know, like if someone is to get injured, for example, then you automatically get the next person who is lower than that person. Uh, as the rankings stand today or as they will stand on Sunday. Well, you tell me, I think, uh, but I think that's fair. Yes, that would that, that's a that's a smart way to just fill in the blank spot. So, so that it doesn't. So, so that we can actually have the bet, correct? Because the odds of that working every single week would be pretty low, right? Um, I think that uh, we can just take whatever it is that day. I don't think that they're going to change that much. The only reason we change things is if people are hurt. Yep, I agree. So, uh, so if we do, it, it would still be the next person on the list. So, like, if if, if three people ahead of them are gone. Then everyone's going to move up three spots. We have to take the person from that area, not the person now at twenty. Whatever you just said is probably correct. Okay, we'll listen back to this when we're sober. <laughs> figure out if what I said is right. Okay, so so uh, if you think that Jason is going to win, or you think that I'm going to win, uh, we'll be back here next week and Tuesday at eight thirty p.m. Central Time to discuss the results. Of course, this and all of our other bets, and uh, look forward to week eight and. As much as I as I hesitate to say it, you know, as we approach like the halfway point of the regular season, I think we're at the halfway point. Well, it's, six plus. It's week eight 
if you're going to be like... You know, well, it's... Well, okay. Of the regular season. Because week 17 is kind of bull. Of the regular season, yeah. we are halfway right now. So, that's crazy. I mean, we look forward to this every year. Being in the exact middle of it is a lot of fun. So, next week is going to be crazy. I feel like I've been living and breathing fantasy football endlessly for a long time. But I have a lot ahead of me and I'm very excited. Yeah, you know, you're not burnt out. You know, it's a good thing. I get burnt out in week 17 or 18. You know, <laughs> that's fine. Well, we're going to win all the fantasy leagues and I hope that you do too. So, if you want to tune into our podcast on Tuesdays again at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. And, of course, all of the information that you can find out there uh, on drink5.com is all yours for the taking. Waiver wire picks, daily fantasy lineups, confidence pool picks, uh, you know, weekly breakdowns, uh, player profiles. We got it all. Rankings, the rookie report. Everything. So uh, I would like to thank uh, everyone who's listened tonight and who might be listening in the future. Jason and I are going to go... We're going to Peyton Manning, everybody. Maybe Peyton Manning it up, you know? <laughs>